Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries. This is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, almost happy Holy Week. Almost happy Holy Week. Isn't it hard to believe we had the fifth Sunday of Lent on yesterday? Crazy. And uh, the next Sunday's Palm Sunday, and then it's... Yeah. Then it's like the week. Yeah, very exciting. Um, a couple things. Um, just, to, just to wake up in the morning, though, also, like spring is here. Buzz- oh, and for those of you who don't live in Michigan, you even just to say that is extraordinary, right? We're hearing birds, and I hope the birds are more intelligent than I fear because they're chirping right now, and it's a long way to go before it actually gets warm See, here. See, that's your Eeyore coming that's out, Eeyore. Father yeah. John. Yeah, so who's to say that this year's not going to be different, that we're not going to... This gonna year's going to be different. We're going to uncover it. our patio furniture, and we're hearing the birds, and we're taking that as a signpost uh, that spring is here, as well as what we, God ears. what we talk about, too, as the recreation of the world, which is Easter, which we'll be celebrating after these great, great holy days. But something that you and I talk about, or, or you say often, every time that we open up our conversation with our friends, we talk about transformation. We talk about everything that, about bring, you know, that brings transformation to the church. Mm. And what we're talking about today is the word of God. And that brings transformation, right? All day, every day to our hearts, the world, to the church. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm just eager to break open the I word do, today with be you. Fun. What's, uh, what's our title? Yeah, so our topic for today is Get in the Scene. Exclamation point. Okay, let's pray. Let's, in the name of the mm-hmm. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, Father, we just thank you for uh, the gift of these days that we're in this time when we're now with renewed focus and uh, ever more attentive minds, preparing ourselves to celebrate all that Jesus has accomplished for us by his passion, death, and glorious resurrection. Father, these are events which are, for so many of us, too familiar. And so we ask for the grace to hear them, to read them, to enter into them, to celebrate them as if for the first time. We just pray that the conversation that we have right now would be encouraging, hopeful, inspiring. All because it points to you and who you are. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So take us away, Padre. Yeah, let's dive in. So, you know, we often reflect on this time of year. You know, this is the time of long readings at Mass, right? Especially, uh, we're in year A right now, so I think most people know that the lectionary for Sundays is broken up into a cycle A, cycle B, cycle C, and cycle A is Matthew, B is Mark, C is Luke, we're in Matthew, but we always read Matthew the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent if we're bringing people into the church, because those those three readings, those three Gospels, the third, fourth, and fifth Sunday, speak to what's going to happen to those who are going to get baptized, which is really beautiful. The challenge is they're really long readings, right? So we had the third Sunday is the Samaritan woman. Uh, the fourth Sunday is uh, the blind man at the pool of Siloam, and yesterday was Lazarus. And because they're long readings... We can check out pretty quick. Oh, yeah. You know, the kids start to fuss. Somebody's making a noise. You start counting ceiling tiles. 
you know, father mispronounced a word or, you know, what, who, who knows what's going on, right? And those things are preparing us for even longer readings, which are going to come up this coming Sunday with Palm Sunday. We're going to hear the passion, mm-hmm. the whole passion. And then we're going to hear the whole passion again on Good Friday. And I, I just, you know, always for myself anyway, I have to make the effort to do a lot of work in advance. In other words, I want to make sure that the first time I'm reading these is not at mass. And, and uh, you know, and so like you can tell, you come to church and you hear the, the priest preach. Sometimes you walk away going, did he read the readings beforehand? Or was that just like, you know, like spontaneous, whatever. And I don't mean that in a positive way. And I always kind of turn that back to all of us and just say, well, did you read did the you readings prepare? beforehand? Especially these, because they're so long. So we need to do some work in advance. Um, we want to prayerfully read these things ahead of time, especially the passages that are coming up, the, the passion narrative in, gospel, in Matthew's gospel. And then again, um, the passion narrative in John's gospel. And these are such rich, rich passages. So, I, you know, what we want to do in, in this podcast is offer a couple of ways to uh, do that, some practical wisdom that we found helpful for reading these passages that are coming up ahead of time, how to let the Holy Spirit like milk every living drop out of what he wants to say to us this year. Um, and then maybe to use yesterday's gospel and the raising of Lazarus as an example and a way to do that, right? Does that make sense? Sounds great. So Let's do it. You know, maybe maybe a couple of you know initial comments. You know, we we repeat often this great quote that I heard from Abbot Jeremy Driscoll when I was in the seminary, which I've never forgotten. It's always changed how I preach, how I proclaim the scriptures, and then how I read the scriptures. So he would say that when the scriptures are proclaimed at mass, they're proclaimed, they're not read. It's not a reading, it's a proclamation. And he would always stress, it's not the mere retelling of an event, it's, or the, the mere retelling of something that happened a long time ago. It is an event, which is to say, here and now, with whatever's going on in my life, very concretely, very practically, whatever challenges I'm experiencing, Jesus is talking to me. I'm not just reading or hearing what he said to, you know, Martha and Mary 2,000 years ago, right? I love that, Father John. And, and that's consistent with what we hear about the nature of Scripture is, is that it's living. Yeah. It's breathing. It, it, it's alive. And when we can enter into and when we eagerly await, you know, opening up the readings for the day or opening up our Scriptures for the day, we trust that if we are well disposed that um, we're going to experience the Word in that way, that we're going to be touched deeply yeah. in some way. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I could say more, but I want to wait till we start to like walk through like the how do we do this? Yeah, so even think, you know, we say that scripture is inspired, right? Mm-hmm. Which means it's it's breathed by God. Right. So, But there's two meanings to that. The first is that it's the Holy Spirit who's inspiring Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, all the different writers in the scriptures. But it also means that when we read the word of God, he's breathing on us, like he's speaking to us. It's not a text, you know, it's not a, it's not a piece of literature. Um, It's not a news story. It's the living word of God who wants to communicate to me something very real 
and personal right now. So I, I love that point. So, so a couple things on that regard, you know, I think it's Peter Craved who says that, you know, the, the word of God, the Bible is God's love letter mm. to us. And, and you made the point, Father John, of saying that um, when we open up the word of God, it's very personal. And one of the things that helps me in particular, it, well, it depends. I mean, it could be the Psalms or it can be the Gospels. It can be any reading. In order to help that passage become more personal, this might sound odd to you, but I put my name in. Mm. I, I put my name into the scriptures so that it is the Lord. Like that just helps me. Yeah. You know, rather than like Lazarus come out. Yeah. You know, come out. you know. Or as Jonathan Rumi would say, Laz. Laz. <laughs> they were great friends. Hey, when I heard, when I have to tell you, when I heard the gospel proclaimed yesterday at mass and he's calling Lazarus to come out, I could hear Rumi go, Laz. But, but I put my name in it so to help me put myself in the scene. No, so yeah. I love that. That's a great way to even just as we, you know, you, you, you prepare to read, say, Matthew's account of the Passion, put your name in there, or even just something as simple as be very attentive and deliberate to say to the Lord, Lord, what do you want to say to me? Help me help me to remember you want to talk to me right now. And the goal of this isn't to get through it. The goal is to receive out of it what you want to say. Like when you get a letter from your best friend, the goal isn't to finish it. You savor the letter, right? I mean, you savor the words. When my... When my dad was writing letters home from World War II, you know, people didn't race to get done with it and move on with life. You hang on the words, right? We need to learn to to linger. Yeah. That's been one of my prayers actually in the the Feast of the Annunciation. I just said, Mary, you need to teach me how to ponder better. Like I need to learn how to just linger. Linger. I love that word with with your word. Okay, great. So so let's let's offer a way to do this. So say, let's say it's Matthew's passion account which is what we're going to hear on Sunday and Palm Sunday. So a thought would be like, sit down and give yourself ample time. You know, give yourself like a good hour, right? It's, it's the salvation of the universe and it's your rescue from hell. It's, it's the worth story. an hour, right? That's right? So give God a good hour sometime this week and just read it through once so as to, to get familiar with it. You know, maybe it's going to be the first time for some of us that we've ever done something like that. Others of us, we, we read scripture all the time and it won't be, but let's get familiar with it again. And then my suggestion would be after you've done that, then read it again. And this time, like underline things that strike you. And, and the idea here isn't so much to, um, to linger yet. It's more like, oh, I want to go back to that. Mm-hmm. So, so my image oftentimes when I'm reading scripture is I love buffets and I grab everything I can from the buffet and put it on my plate. Yes, you do. I've seen you at dinner. <laughs> and then what I do is I, I taste all sorts of different things, but it's so that I can go back to the ones I the really things. like. That's such a great, that's such a helpful analogy. And one of the things, even as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking about um, when we pray, like whether whether we have our Magnificat or our scriptures or a commentary, it's okay to write in your Magnificat. It's okay to write in the margins 
of your scriptures. It's okay to underline, highlight, make all manner of notations and even note, even note the date. Like on this day, the Lord said blank to me. It might be June 12th, 2000, whatever, but note it. And it's okay to write all over this, this good news. um, Like you would if you were, you know, in college and you're studying. Absolutely. So underline things that you are like, oh, I want to go back to the buffet on that one, but not yet. It's just you can tell like Mm -hmm. uh, the Holy Spirit wants to say more. He there's more flavor to extract from from this passage or that word or that encounter, and then read it a third time. And now in the third time, now you want to really ask the Holy Spirit, employ my imagination my senses, my memory, and help me to get into the scene. And don't worry if you create some fictional depiction of what you're reading, right? Like the Holy Spirit was there, for example, in the Passion. He was there at Lazarus's tomb. The Holy Spirit lives in you and me by virtue of baptism. Ask him, take me there. Help me to see it. You know, help me to uh, help me to employ my senses and to imagine what it would have sounded like, what it would have smelled like, what it would have felt like. Was the is the sun out or is it cloudy? Is it hot or is it cold? Are there people with me or am I alone? You know, I have in our studio here. It's a, a picture of my mom and dad and I meeting Pope John Paul II, and I often use that as a an image for how I read scripture. So I can look at that painting or that photo right now, which I'm looking at. And in an instant, I don't see the picture anymore. I remember the event. You remember the moment. Yeah. And I get into it and I can remember everything. I can remember how I felt. I can remember the Holy Father. I can remember being there with my mom and dad. So I'd met him a boatload of times. So I'd never met him with my parents before. I can remember what they were experiencing. I can remember everything and I have to pull myself out of it because you can get lost inside photographs. You can look at a wedding picture, the, the birth of your grandsons, and you get lost in that, right? That's an image for how to read scriptures. So scripture is kind of like in text, it's the photo. And what I'm asking the Holy Spirit is take me into the photograph and help me to just move around. And for some, and so this is... Explore the space. Explore the space. And of course, this is the way St. Ignatius, right, teaches us how to approach scripture. But Father John, what would you say to um, our friends who struggle using their imagination? Because there are some people who have unique temperaments or personality profiles or or, or particular, um, sometimes... For some of us, it can be black and white. And yeah, they just don't see things. And they don't see anything, and they don't know how to do that. For so, so for those of us, what would you say to them when they say, I don't know how to use my imagination because when I close my eyes and I sit with something, I don't hear anything, I don't see anything, I don't feel anything. So I'd say use your, use your memory. So we're going we're gonna to walk through Lazarus briefly here. Um. Remember being at a graveside. Remember being at a funeral. Remember being at a mausoleum. Like almost every one of us listening 
has memories of that. So you may not be able to close your eyes and see things. But you can but remember you have a moment a in your life. memory of that. Or you have a photograph of that. And I, I, I'd suggest you ask the Holy Spirit, okay, use those memories and now help me to kind of overlay that memory with this text. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's brilliant. I love that. I think people are going to find that very helpful. And I think it's almost, it might almost be helpful too to imagine Jesus with you in that particular moment. Precisely. Right. Yeah, that's the overlay. Right, right, right. That's mm-hmm. the overlay. Imagine Jesus with you, you know, wherever, whatever that parallel story is. Yeah. I was, um, I was recently with my, uh, my mother in Kansas City, and I was showing her pictures of Holy Sepulchre or the Sea of Galilee, and I'm explaining to her what, is in the, what was in that moment that she couldn't see. It's because a picture can only capture so much, but I was able to fill in the gaps for her because for her, she said, what is that? And right. I said, well, that's the Sea of Galilee. And so we know the story, but I was trying to fill in all the gaps of the landscape that she couldn't see. Precisely. So I think that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Great. So let's, let's try to uh, just kind of quickly uh, use some uh, illustrations from yesterday's gospel. We don't have the time to go through this whole thing, but maybe you Because and I it before, was such a long gospel. It's a long <laughs> gospel. And it gives you the option to read a shorter version, which is just terrible. That's another podcast for another time. <laughs> so you and I beforehand, we just kind of highlight some particular words, passages, moments in John 11 that jumped out at us. Maybe we can just kind of break those open how we do this um, so that people can, you know, if they're not familiar with this kind of way of praying, they can hear it and then they can apply this to reading the Passion, whether it's Matthew's account or John's account. So go ahead. Yeah, can I, just one thought before we dive in. There's something about... This version, you know, this story by John, it's actually like the perfect gospel story 101 to kind of dive in and use your imagination because the content is so rich and it's so particular. There's so, there's so much detail. There's so much to pray with. So I would just argue that it's a perfect sample gospel yeah. to start praying like this. I agree. Like and it gets you ready for, for Easter Sunday absolutely. because it's the story of a flipping man who was dead, who people saw walk out of a tomb, but we're getting ahead of yeah, ourselves. Because, because, because John... So, so you don't forget John never forgot that. But you don't forget a dead guy coming no. out of a tomb. That's, That's the right. point, right? And, and unfortunately, we read these passages so monotonely. And we turn unbelievable events into, it sounds like we're reading the phone book. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. We're not supposed to act these Mm. out, but good grief. Okay, so let's get in. Okay. So a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And and just immediately, I mean, for us anyway, in the work that we do, this is a huge passage because we often refer, when we're talking to priests, to this home the home of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, as uh, an illustration of uh, what they need. We, we all need, quote-unquote, a Bethany. We need a place of respite, a place of rest, a place of safety. And this house, these people, they're, they're not just like three random people. Um, you know, like even the way that they describe, Lord, the one you love is ill. These are very good friends right. of Jesus. And Jesus is... 
you know, uh, Bethany is on the eastern side of the Mount of Olives. It's about a two-mile walk from Jerusalem. When you're sitting in Jerusalem, looking at Holy Sepulchre from a rooftop, you can see Bethany. So this is not far away. And Jesus is leaving Jerusalem in Holy Week. Like, he's not staying there. It's not safe for the obvious reasons of what's going to happen with his passion, right? And where he's going is he's going to their house. So this is a, this is a favorite place of his, right? Dear friends, right. So that, that, that in and of itself just strikes me as I'm reading it. And then this beautifully intimate expression of, you know, two friends. You know, it'd be like, so me as a priest getting a phone call from you going, like I got over the weekend. Exactly. Hey, one of our grandsons is in the hospital. Is in the hospital and, and like, I don't respond to that with, you know, an emoji. You know, it's a, it's a call. It's, it's what can we do? You know, like the whole team heard about that. There's an immediate response of what do you need? Right? You are out of town, but what do you need? What can we do? And we start praying and then we're, we're eagerly awaiting. You juxtapose that with what this says. So here's a man who knows these people. One of the people is sick. They know he loves them because he hangs out at their house all the time. They say, hey, Jesus, Laz isn't doing very well. And the scripture says, now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer where he was. And and you read that and you go, that can't be an accurate translation to the Greek. Like, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, so when he hears he's sick, he stays. That makes no sense, right? Or it seems to make no sense. If I had done that, if we had done that, if we do that to each other when someone's sick, they would think what? You don't care. That's right. You're not my friend. You don't, you, you don't love me. Again, this is a foreshadowing. We, we should read this as a foreshadowing that there must be something amazing going to happen because that makes no sense. Right. There must be. And yet at the same time, for Martha and Mary at the time when it was going on, they weren't thinking that way. And we know that because when Jesus shows up, Martha greets him with, right, right, Lord, right. if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That is, that might be an expression of great faith. It's also a stinging indictment. Because behind those words is, but you weren't here. You didn't come, and we don't get it. And who doesn't relate to that? I think we all do, Father John. I mean, because that's because we often say to God, why aren't you answering our prayer? Why are you waiting, coming to my aid? Do you not hear me? Do you not hear my cry? Do you not see my tears? Right. But God is always up to something. Right. As again, like as I indicated, as I read that, and again, we have the we have the benefit of being this side of the scriptures, right? We can totally appreciate how Mary and Martha would would react in exactly. a human in a human and way. And that's why these are such rich passages to get into the scene. Don't read this piously. Read this as somebody from your own experience of having 
had a urgent prayer request, something very painful in your life going on, you approach the Lord, you ask him for help. It seems like a no-brainer, and he doesn't do it. How do you feel? Because that's, that's how we're supposed to read these scriptures. How do you feel? I feel devastated. I feel angry. I feel perplexed. I feel confused. I feel God has abandoned me. I feel all those things. Right. So, so identify those because what that helps you to do is get ready for what it is that the Lord's going to be doing, right? And so Martha greets him with that rebuke. If you'd been here, but you weren't. And then Jesus goes on to say, your brother's going to rise. And she says, yeah, I know he's going to rise. He's going to rise at the end, of the, at, at the end right? And the Lord looks at her and says, and, and here is, I think, like the passage to pray with. So th- those famous words that we all know, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? That's a question Jesus wants to ask to you and me right now in the midst of everything that's going on. Do you really believe that? That's very, like, Mary, do you believe that? John, do you believe that? Ray, do you believe that? Matthew, do you believe that? Or are those just words on a page? And if you do, can anybody tell? And that's a question that I I think we need to Talk about lingering. I, I think most of us, if we're honest, we're like the, the man of the gospel who says, Lord, I believe, but help my lack of faith. <laughs> you know, I want to I I believe that more, right? Right. So, you know, I, I'm listening to you go deep with this, Father John, and I'm thinking about, again, for those who have a difficult time imagining the scene, find a parallel story in your own life so that you can feel, so you can generate that that emotion. And um, I was thinking about being at Mass yesterday and praying this gospel where we read, you know, we're, we, we hear the line, um, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And I actually wrote in a commentary, um, Lord, Bowen James, our grandson, the one you love is ill. And in a time of... Uh, trial and suffering and waiting, you know, hours turns into days. To your point, do you believe this and can anyone tell? Um, it's a real, uh, it's a, um, it's an opportunity to ask ourselves, if I really believe that, how will I carry myself right. through this trial? Right. And can I show forth not, 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 not to pretend to be strong, but to talk about, I have utmost confidence in God that you are with me and you are with us and that you see all of this. And somehow I know you're doing something here, even if I can't see it. Right. And even and if I, I don't get the result it. I want. That's exactly right. right? E- e- even if, and even if you don't know the end of the story, it just simply might be the first chapter. And like you said, in a very long story. Right. Because, you know, like, everybody's going to die, right? That's why that question that Jesus asks is so striking because... That's what everybody fears. Well, yeah, and he's talking to somebody whose brother's dead. Yes. (laughs) You know, like, 
she, we, it doesn't take a lot of either imagination or jarring of our memories, you know, to, to picture Jesus talking to us after somebody who we had prayed for has died. And the Lord says, well, you know, even though they die, they're going to live because of me. Do you believe that? Like, that's the question because everybody's like, no one here gets out alive, you know. Jim Morrison was right about something, (laughs) at least with with that. So there's there's so much in this passage, right? I I pray this is helpful for people. Then then just highlight a couple other things, right? I know there's some things here you want to go after. A couple things that have struck me in the past. I've heard a lot of people talk about this. I, I think I've preached about this many times. But, you know, these the, the scriptures translated into English get get so dumbed down. So, it, it you know, Jesus, uh, it says, is deeply moved and greatly troubled. But it's more literally like he's snorting with rage. And he's agitated and stirred up and roiled. And there's so much you can do with that. It's like God looking at his creation. God looking at the ones he loves who are in tombs, namely us. Some people physically, some people spiritually. And it's the Lord's anger over that. Like, that's not what he made us for. Like, this should not be here. Death is not part of the plan. It was never part of the plan. And I think it's Tim Keller who talks about I love this uh, way of thinking. You know, part of the snorting with rage is death is not the plan. Death is not supposed to be here. But the only way for me to get Lazarus out of that tomb is I have to go into one, which means I'm going to single-handedly take on the enemy for you out of love. Like, this is not an, a distant, apathetic God that we're talking about. This is a God who feels deeply in the person of Jesus. God made man weeps over his creation, weeps over our rejection, weeps over our disobedience, weeps over the tombs that either some people put us in or that we put ourselves in. Right. Amen. Father. And then then comes this, This, this is where we got to ask the Holy Spirit, like, okay, I'm not reading a story here. This is a true event. This is why John remembers the details. And the Lord starts walking towards this tomb and then starts to say things to the people around it, like, hey, move the stone. It's like, why in the world would I move the stone? The guy's been dead for four days. It's going to be really smelly, right? Like, what do you mean move the stone? And then you got to picture you and, you know, you're Martha and there's Mary and I'm, and, and you know, like I'm, I'm John or whatever. And we're going like, what, what the heck is he doing? And we're thinking back to, well, we, we saw him do some stuff with, you know, the, 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 the widow of Nain's son. And I remember that story with Jairus's daughter and you, you can't be serious. Like you're not going to do something again right now, are you? And then Jesus starts talking. We hear him talking to his father, you know, father, I know you always hear me. And then he starts screaming at Lazarus because it's a loud voice. John says, come out. And we're going, no, 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 no. Oh my gosh. Like the guy's coming out of a tomb in, 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 in burial claws wrapped up in a shroud. Like, do you think 
Like, what do you think that scene looked like? It had to have been bedlam. Absolute bedlam. That's how you read the scriptures. That's the God we believe in. That's who Jesus is. He knows what he's doing. You know? I, I was struck, you know, the first reading yesterday was the reading from Ezekiel, which is the, the prophetic foreshadowing of what the Lord's going to do, not only with Lazarus, but with all of us at the end of time. That He promises, you know, oh, my people, I will bring you out of your graves. And it ends with, um, I have promised and I will do it. Like, this is a promise from God. Like, I'm going to do this. You're going to come out of your grave. You're describing a Jesus, Father John, that many of us don't know. Mm. You know, you, you often talk about um, Jesus is kind, but he's just not kind. Jesus is compassionate, but he's just not compassionate. Jesus is merciful, but he's just not merciful. And then you say, Jesus is absolutely and totally unconquerable. This is that power. I don't think most of us appreciate that caliber of power, mm. explosive power. Mm. We don't know that kind of love. That's why I think it's difficult for some of us to get into the scenes. We don't know this man, the second person of the Trinity. That's why encountering him is so absolutely critical. It's one thing to know God. It's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know him. And I think it's after you have that encounter in your life, that's what causes these words by the power of the Holy Spirit to leap off the page and rattle our souls and change our hearts and rearrange our lives. I think when we experience that, uh, this, this warrior that's going, that has gone to rescue us, then maybe we can read these gospel stories with that kind of intensity and that kind of knowledge. Does that make sense at all? Because yeah, I'm watching much. you get animated as, you, as, as you're speaking about this. But my thought is, how many of us know a God that powerful and that loving who calls us son and who calls us daughter? Who is that? I think there was a line in in one of the chosen episodes where Atticus is asking, I think, I don't know if it's Peter, it's one of the disciples. Simon. Simon, and he says, I don't know if he says, who is that or what is that? Mm-hmm. that? So Atticus can see, he's witnessing, this is like no other man he's ever seen in his life. But when we encounter God personally in that way, where he's rearranged some manner of our life, recreated us, reordered us, we can pray with the Spirit in that way where these Gospels come off the page like you're describing. Yeah, and you know, you know, even as you're saying it, so I can't agree more with you. Like, we need to encounter him. I think many of us, even as we hear this, we fear or we, we think to ourselves, yeah, but man, that power sure seems arbitrary. How so? Say more. How come he doesn't do it all the time? 
how come is he, how come he doesn't do what I think he should? And that's the problem, right? How come he doesn't do what I think he should? How come God's not thinking the way I'm thinking? How come God doesn't see things the way I do? And I think for, for so many of us, right, it simply comes down to trust. And, and as we enter into Holy Week, one of the things I think the Lord wants to just continue to teach us all is he is trustworthy. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. He's not arbitrary. It's not like he just shows up once in a while. Every now and again. He knows what he's doing. And of course, I don't understand what he's doing. I'm not God. And I can't get into my mind what he's doing. I see things that perplex me and confuse me. And I'm wondering, what are you doing there? But Jesus says, like, on that day when I come back and you see how everything works out, you're not going to ask any questions. I got a ton of questions in the meantime. But I think that's what troubles most of us is that I think we, are, we, we feel, we don't want to say this out loud because it wouldn't be pious and, you know, but God can hear it already because he knows my thoughts. We feel as if he's, as if he's not reliable. We feel as if he, he doesn't hear. We feel like Martha and Mary, if you had been here, that wouldn't have happened. And as we enter into the passion, it's, it's almost like Jesus wants to say, if I didn't love you, that wouldn't have happened. That's my point. No, I yeah, get it yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. We're totally, in, yeah. in, we're, we're violently in agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, I, I, love, I, I love the way the Spirit's just kind of brought this to a close because as we, what does the Lord want to give me as I read his word? He wants to give me faith, Right. He wants to deepen my faith. And our hope. Yeah. And our hope. Yeah. But God is reliable. He is who he says he is. He is father and he's good mm. all the time, even when, especially when. I don't understand what the heck he's Doesn't, doing. Things don't make sense. Yeah. And much I'll, of life does not. Yeah. I want to make one last sure. coda and then, uh, yeah. and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. But, uh, you know, so I'm always struck, but the next chapter in this gospel is uh, obviously John 12. And I always find it timely because I, I used to hear, I still hear people say all the time, yeah, well, you know, you saw miracles. If I saw miracles, maybe I'd believe. I'm like, you think so? Because that's not what the scripture says. So John 12, right, is, is this big feast that's happening in Lazarus and Martha and Mary's house. You can only imagine what that feast was like, right? Like, how do you celebrate? Oh, God. Hey, back from the dead party. Happy birthday. <laughs> Number two, yeah. round two. We're having a back from the dead party for Lazarus. Please come, you know, there's going to be really good wine. And, and you know, there's a huge crowd. Obviously, lots of people saw this. It's two week or two miles away from Jerusalem. It's almost the time for the Passover and now huge expectations are beginning to arise in people that Jesus is more than just maybe what we thought he was. And the response of the Jewish leaders is, um, we need to kill Lazarus too. Because the people are flocking to him as a result. They saw the miracle. It didn't lead to faith. I've always, I've always found that just to be such a striking passage and, and the ultimate rebuttal to if I only saw a miracle, I'd believe. Because what the relig- religious leaders saw in this was a threat to them not being mm-hmm. in control That's anymore. such an important point. And that's, yep. that's what we experience. Like, 
to believe in the Lord and to surrender to him means I'm no longer the center of my life. And that's a really dangerous place to be unless I have absolute trust mm-hmm. in the one to whom I'm surrendering. So, Amen. Great word. Well, this has been long, end. but uh, I pray it's been Who's as fruitful. Long as you're still with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we're just getting people ready for uh, Palm Sunday right. and for and for Thank Good us Friday. Now. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's pray for one another that these days ahead would be times of great grace. That the Lord would just help us to to hang on and linger with certain phrases, certain words, certain images. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to jar our memories, to use our imaginations, our senses, to get into these scenes, and maybe uh, let's thank God in advance that. We're going to emerge at Easter with deeper faith, which is something that he wants for us more than we do. And because everything that we are about to celebrate is true, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. 